Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? It's time for the Little Anthony of the Imperials interview on the Paul Leslie Hour. Yes, that's right, the one and only Little Anthony. The legendary vocal group Little Anthony and the Imperials sold millions of records. Still performing after all these years, their iconic recordings of songs like Tears on My Pillow, I'm on the Outside Looking In, and Going Out of My Head continue to be heard on the radio decades after their debut. What about Anthony? He's as vital as ever and shares his one-of-a-kind perspectives in this exclusive interview. You know the music. Now let's get to know the man. Without a doubt, one of the most iconic singing groups ever would be Little Anthony and the Imperials. It's our pleasure to welcome the one and only Little Anthony. The one and only? Oh, yeah, I guess I am, huh? I guess I'm <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, cool, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's a great pleasure to welcome you. I kind of want to go back a little bit. What was life like growing up? Well, you know, so many years ago, I'm starting to change the story all the time. And George Burns has always tell things different. As the older you get, the story keeps changing. Growing up, you no, know, just a normal kid in, in the hood, in, in, in the neighborhood, in Brooklyn. Just normal. Go to school, go to elementary school, go to high school. Just the normal things of life. And was there a lot of music around the house? Well, yeah, because in my house, everything was musical because I come out of a history of, of people in the music business of one form or another. My mom was a gospel singer. They tell me my great-grandfather was a great singer. And my father was a jazz musician and played alto and tennis sax. And my brothers were all played different instruments and, and my aunts were all singers. So music was I guess a very normal thing at a very young age. I, I was hearing the stuff that obviously affected me. Who were your favorite singers? Oh, I don't know. In those days, not quite a few, man. Um, Ella Fitzgerald was always one that I really dug, and then Nat Cole came, and then a group called the Orioles, and then there were the Ravens, Big Joe Turner. I just love him. Gee, move. And then my father, being a jazz musician, I was I was taken to many of the people at that time that were were just becoming very popular, like Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis and Eleanor's Jacket, and just a vary of different things that I was being exposed to. Who would you say had the biggest influence on your singing? Interesting it was Frankie Lyman, Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. That was the first person I heard. That I sounded like. In other words, I, I couldn't compare myself to any of the singers in those days. Cause I had such a high voice. I was a natural tenor. And, and here comes this kid that sounded like me. Oh, I sounded like him. But he was, I consider him much stronger singing than I was at that age. And, and that's really turned me on. But on the other hand, I was listening to Nat Cole and was very influenced by him. So it is, it, it's pretty rounded. When you met the other members of the Imperials, did you feel you had something together? First of all, there was no such thing as Imperials when I met them. They were a group called the Chesters, and it was Clarence and Ernest 
and myself, we're still together, all these years, still together. We all lived in the same neighborhood in Brooklyn, the 4th Street Project, so everybody was singing in those days. Everybody went different groups and singing around corners and the street corners and subways, and, and so I, I didn't, no, nobody looked at it like, wow, man, we're going to be stars. No, I think we were more impressed in the fact that when we sang on street corners and in the park and the summer, the girls would come around. I think that, that influenced us more than anything. I don't think we realized that we were developing in a style. We weren't trying to. It just happened that way. Tell us about when you recorded the song, Tears on My Pillow. Mm-hmm. Well, I just went to Clarence, called me and said that there's a possibility that I can get a, a record deal with them. And I was, I was already with a local group at that time. As a kid, I was about 15 years old. And guys out of my school, our high school, boys high school, we got together and was called DuPont. So we had some local success around, you know, Glee. But Clarence came to me and said, man, it's a possibility if you sing with, if you sing with us, it's possible we can get a national, even an international recording deal through N Records and go on records. And I know this guy called Richard Barrett. And I knew who Richard Barrett was. I used to watch him as a kid on stage. He used to be with the Valentines, the Valentines. But he also introduced Frank Alarm and the Teenagers. He introduced the Chantels. He introduced the Osley Brothers. So he had a really, and the Doves, he had a great resume. And that took me on. So that's how that, that started. We, we went over there to Endergon Records and sang one of the songs that Ernest wrote, Just the Kinds of People in the World, and the rest is history. We're talking with Little Anthony of the Imperials. I want to ask you about one of the songs you're associated with, Hurt So Bad. I watched you perform that song on Letterman. I thought the performance was great. A great song to begin with. Yeah, it is. Well, that song was written for us. Teddy Rondazzo wrote that song. That was the second song and the many hits that we had with him and Mr. Don Costa. And the first one was going out of my head. I mean, I'll start looking in and then going out of my head. Then Hurt So Bad. People ask me, what was the favorite song that you did at that time? Hurt So Bad was my favorite one. And, in fact, it was a favorite of a lot of people. What Sinatra did going out of my head Nancy Wilson really had another hit on Hurt So Bad and quite a few people. So we were very blessed that way, man. Some of the top Oxalon-type singers were so impressed with it that they started doing their renditions of it, and that really helped us to become who we are today. We're talking with Little Anthony. You all were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? Rock and Hall of Fame was one of those highlights of your life. Of your life, I've had many highlights, and that was one of them. But I think that was the highlight of highlights because of all the different people that were there and stars and major recording stars. It was just a who's who of who. And for that fact, it was very humbling to be inducted, to be nominated, and then inducted into the Hall of Fame. Billy told me, "Gee, you know, our body of work is really good. It's not limited." Unfortunately, you have a lot of people in my business. I like to limit people, uh, give them a, a, a label. Oh, doo-wop. They're a doo-wop group. No, we're not. You know, you don't sing songs like going on in my head and not so bad and take me back. Yes. Somebody need to educate people on that. They just assume that we came out of a certain era, so therefore we're a singing group. We should be that way. But when we got to the Hall of Fame, that vindicated us because they're not looking at that. They're looking at our body of work what we've done all those years, what we've accomplished. And that's how we got in, and that that gives me a sense of vindication. 
one of the things that I enjoyed about seeing you perform was you all do the song Just Two People a cappella. Yeah, we still do. Yeah, it, we, we didn't always do it, but I don't know how... Oh, we, we decided to do some of the older groups that influenced us, and we did a thing called... Up, uh, no, what the heck we call it? Uh, uh, oh, gosh, I forgot. We called it CD, but it was a cappella something. And we decided to do it without any music to go back to our roots. And one of those songs was what started us, what got us the di- actually got it, the record deal. What's going on in records was just the kinds of people in the world. We're talking with Little Anthony of Little Anthony and the Imperials. What was it like having the great Smokey Robinson be the one to induct the band? I was quite, quite taken and thrilled and honored because I've known Smokey. We all knew each other since we were kids, hustling and running, and, but he is prolific. He's one of the great American prolific songwriters. You know, he volunteered. He wanted to introduce us because we had been friends for so many years. So we heard that we found out from the folks at the Hall of Fame, they, they asked you who you like, and, and then and then I, I said some names and stuff, and then they came up, well, how would, would you like Smokey Robinson? He would love to introduce us. I said, what? Heck yeah. You know? Hmm. Back in the day, Little Anthony and the Imperials sold so many records. In fact, they were in competition with the Beatles. I'm wondering, did you get to meet any of them? No. We really wasn't in competition. It's just that that kind of a music came, what we call an English invasion. But if you really look at that era, which was between 63 and 69, we also were in a very good company. Dionne Warwick was very successful. The Drifters were still very successful. We were successful. And it was this little bitty record company out of Detroit called Motown. <laughs> they were successful. So, I don't like to single us out. We really, we really can't. We just happen to be the type of music we did was was the people still wanted it, even despite of the despite the Beatles. Now, in answer to the second part of the question, no, and I've always regretted that. Though I heard that George Harrison was a big fan, and I've always been trying to find out to meet Paul McCartney. Never met John. You would think I would have, but I just didn't for some reason. Ringo, I met. But later on, much later on, and I met Ringo in the middle, late 90s. It was an exciting time. But you did survive or be there at that time. All that was going and still hold your own was really a great thing. Well, you have had a chance to meet a lot of people. Just because of the nature of the music, the entertainment industry. For example, you got to meet Elvis Presley. Very good friend of ours. In fact, Clarence Collins of the Imperials, the founder of the Imperials, one of his friends. I mean, they hung out a lot. We knew all the guys. We knew all the Memphis Mafia. We sang in the same hotel at the same time when he became very famous in Vegas. At first, it was called the International, and then the Hilton bought it out. What was Elvis like? Just the nicest guy on the planet. <laughs> you know, he was, he, he was like a bird in a gilded cage. He was, he was the... He was a victim of his own success. We're joined by Little Anthony of Little Anthony and the Imperials. Tell us about Buddy Holly. Yeah, Buddy. Met Buddy on, we were doing promotional tours, so come to find out we get to Cleveland, and we were at Hopkins, what's the name of the hotel? I can't remember. So many years ago. I was sitting in the lobby, and there comes Buddy coming down 
through the lobby, and he looked at me and says, what happened? I said, yeah. And so I talked with him and struck up a thing. And then when we were in Lubbock once, I think they had come around. Oh, I can't remember so long ago, but, but intimately I didn't know him, but, but casually I did, yeah. I heard you also met Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. Well, he was Bob Marley when he wasn't Bob Marley. You know what I mean? But what I mean to say is he was just a kid in Trenchtown, Jamaica, in Kingston. And I met him through a man by the name of Don Taylor, who brought this kid around to us. And he says, oh, this is Bob Marley. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> we don't know who he is. And as the years went by, we started uh, hanging in Jamaica. And then actually, I think it was Clarence or somebody was actually, when he, when he did one of those songs, I can't remember. I shot the sheriff. Some, one of the Imperial Clarence was there at the studio. And Wow. Yeah, isn't it? And then we're not thinking anything. And the next thing, he blew up. You know? It's wild. <laughs> when you look back at all your years in the music business, do you have a favorite memory? Sir? Paul? You got a year? <laughs> Life has so many twists and turns and memories. I couldn't really pick out any. There's no such thing. I, I couldn't even answer that question because I wouldn't know how to answer it. I'll tell you this though. The way, the way, hold up. Maybe I can. It's a It's one of the memories that I always think of. It was when we played the Lincoln Center in New York City, Black Tide for Mayor Lindsay, and it was a benefit. It was produced by Trudy Ellie Heller and Young Warwick and Bert Bacharach and, and us and Teddy Rondazzo and the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. That was a night to remember, yes. What is the best thing about being Anthony Gordine? Now, that's an interesting question. The best thing. That's, that, that's, you, you threw a curveball there, Paul. <laughs> Again, it's... Being Anthony Gordon is not smooth. It wasn't ever smooth, but they're great times, bad times, great times, bad times. You know what I mean? In other words, Anthony Gordon is no different than your listeners or people that are hearing it, reading it. We're no different. The difference is that we had a gift to be able to do something that most people can't do. So for that matter, then, yeah, being Anthony Gordon was unique. But Anthony Gordon had so many unique things in his life, you'd have to read my book. I wanted to ask you about this album that you all recorded recently. You'll never know. Oh, yeah. What brought Little Anthony and the Imperials back into the studio? Well, today it's a young young man, young lady's world in the recording business. They don't necessarily look back at all the older artists. They're into what's the flavor of the week now. And, and hip-hop came in and... As it should be. Every generation has its music. It's just that we, me and Clarence was talking and a very, very, very fine man, a very wealthy man was listening to us talk hanging around one day. And he said, man, I'll, I'll back you if you do a CD. And so we said, well, we're going to do a CD of do the things we always wanted to do that we never were able to do and do it in a way that we felt was cool. And that's what we did. We're joined by little Anthony. I know that you have a passion for gospel music. Tell us about that. Well, that's who I am. A lot of people don't know that. But I remember telling you my mother was a gospel saint. I was raised in church, but that didn't mean I always lived that way. I mean, I'm, I'm really called the prodigal son, but I, 
But in 1978, I received Christ again and changed my whole life. Now, that makes that music that much more meaningful to me because it's the, it's the gospel. It's, it's all about really the good news of the, of the Bible. And so, yeah, when I sing that stuff, because my voice comes from God, let's face it. It's nothing. You don't survive 50 years, 50-something years in this business by luck. There's no such thing. It is a gift that was given to me, and I received that gift. And I, I didn't always treat it right, but then when I realized where that gift came from, then I started treating it right. Yes, I, I love I love all kinds of music. I love opera. I mean, I love classical music, opera, Verdi, Pacino, Pacino, um, um, not Pacino, what am I? a lot of Wagner, Beethoven, jazz, you come to jazz, Miles, jazz this, jazz that, all this. My sense of music is so great. It's incredible. But gospel is part of that, yes. Not just of the songs recorded by Little Anthony and the Imperials, just in general. Do you have a favorite song? Yeah. All the things, well, you know those songs that they're never commercially popular, but they're critically acclaimed as far as the work you've done? I've had many of those that never were hit records, but they were great work. But of the hit records, hurt so bad. We're living in an age when social media is king. For example, so many musicians now are on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I'm following you. I, I never thought I would be. I just went on Facebook, which I never would have thought I would be. But I went on it based upon my other part of Little Anthony. I'm with a company. I don't know if that's okay to say, but it's called ACN, which is Technologies and Telemarketing. And I joined that company, and I had so much fun in my life. So with Facebook, really helps me in developing my own, have my own online store. I have my own commercial online store and where I can deal with people with all kinds of things and, and technologies and change their phones and all that. In that respect, I guess I realized that Twitter and Facebook is very important. Though, you know what, Paul? I've had, you got to really screen your Twitters, man, because I've had some of the weirdest Twitters. Where did that come from? You know? <laughs> and it, you know, I'm very wholesome. <laughs> I know what you mean. You know what I'm talking about? I, I decided one day, I said, oh, man, let me just check this out. And I, I, and I saw Rahana. And I, and I, so you, you understand Twitter. Once they receive you and accept you, then you go on that whole record. Well, then anybody else that Twitters her, they may not even know her. They go to Twitter, you don't even know you. It's so kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? What do you think of today's technology? I don't know. When I think back, my father would have never thought there'd be cell phones. And they lived pretty happy. <laughs> so they didn't know there was... Actually, we just saw TV when I was about eight years old. And the kids in Brooklyn that saw TV in the store. Who would have thought that that, that would be something I look at? For that matter, with flat screen, HD. You can't predict those things. When somebody goes to see you sing, or hear you sing, or they listen to one of the recordings. What do you want the listener to get from the experience of listening? Well, it's music. You want to do your music and, and you hope people accept it and that it hits something in them that they can relate to. That's, that's what all singers want. Whether we're writing, whether we're singing and writing, 
or just singing somebody else's words. Everybody wants that to hit the heartstrings of that other human being that not necessarily sings. And so that's the gift. Yeah, every singer is looking for acceptance. Is this what you want to hear? Am I doing it right? Is this what's turning you on? That's, that's what, generally what it is. What do you like about music? <laughs> music. Could you pick a favorite part of music? I love violence. I love anything where we can use violence, which is rare today. I love the sound of the orchestra, because remember I told you I like classical music. I love the sound of a big orchestra. I love the sound. It just knocks me down. What is in the future for little Anthony? Wherever my life goes, wherever my destiny is, it is what it is. I sing. I'm not going to be a heart surgeon or brain surgeon, so we got that cleared. I sing. So it will be some form of singing and my involvement with my business now, which is taking a lot of my time because... Hey, there will come a time I don't sing that much. And so this business means that, that will mean more to me. Other than that, that's, that's about it. You'd have to go to a Coca one of the phony fortune tellers to find out what's going on, and I don't know. None of us are guaranteed <laughs> tomorrow anyway. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Little Anthony, what is your all-time favorite meal? <laughs> oh, you got me there, baby. Now, my the greatest thing I ever had was my Aunt Sarah who taught me how to cook. Generally, I learned how to cook from my mom and good people, but my, it's my Aunt Sarah that literally taught me how to cook. And she used to make a thing called shrimp patties, which is a real geeky type South Carolina thing and New Orleans type thing. And I, every, as a kid, I can remember smelling that. And it would just bring memories back to me. Oh, I, oh my gosh, I love shrimp patties. And I love when she would make them. And so when I got old enough to learn, and she before she passed on, she left that recipe with me. And I began to make them. Now my children make them, and then their children are making them. You know what I mean? That's my favorite <laughs> shrimp patties. <laughs> Sounds very good. <laughs> it is. So for anyone who's listening to this, wherever they may be, what would you say to them? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I'm still able and capable, and my guys, and Ernest and Clarence, and all those guys, we've been together for 50 years. I was just telling Ernest the other day, sitting here, he's at my, he's spending time at my house, because he's in town to do the performance, so he stayed at my house. And I just, I just said to him, I said, I know we knew each other over 50-something years. Gee, most weddings don't, well, marriages don't last that long. So, I guess that's, that maybe not the best answer in the world, but well, if you look around at musical acts, a lot of them don't even last five years or three years. Right. And and really what I wanted to say was that because of those listeners you have all around the world and, and East Coast, West Coast, that's why they've been loyal all these years that gives us the opportunity to keep on doing what we do best. Little Anthony, I appreciate this interview very much. Thank you, Paul. You have a good one. Until next time. You too, sir. Goodbye.